Hey guys, welcome back to the Crime Couch. I'm your host, Kaylee Campbell, and joining me is my co-host, Joby. Hey guys. This week, we're going to be talking about a local case that happened here in my home state of Texas, and even closer, the University of North Texas. This case involves abusive relationships, stalking, and an innocent life that shouldn't have been taken. This is the murder of Jackie Vandergriff. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. On a, on a large one. Jackie Vandergriff was a 24-year-old student who attended Texas Women's University here in Denton, Texas. She was a nutrition major and had a passion for health and wellness. Her friends say she was a very smart student and a trusting person. She met her tragic fate on the night of September 14, 2016. It was the next morning that her body was found near the banks of Grapevine Lake. The police were shocked and had no clue who had done something so gruesome or what the motive for this horrific murder was. Caitlin Mathis was an 18-year-old student attending the University of North Texas in 2016 and started dating a man in June named Charles Bryant who was a 29-year-old fitness instructor and bartender. Yeah, you heard me correctly, 29 years old. That would have made him 11 years older than her. She quickly became attracted to him and she stated in an interview that he was very smooth and it seemed like he had his life together. Being this convincing, this would be any girl's dream, honestly. To find an older man that seemed as though he had his whole life planned out. But this was nothing like what it seemed and it was soon found out that Bryant was not that well-put-together man he claimed to be. After only weeks of dating, his charming facade quickly faded as his true persona started to show. Caitlin claimed that he was very controlling and needed her constant attention. Now this is just like stereotypical textbook abusive behavior. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, um, I've had my fair share of experiences and it always starts with them being controlling and needing their constant attention, not letting you hang out with anybody except them, the wanting to know where you are, manipulation. Make, making them the only person in your life. That matters, yeah. Isolating everybody else around mm -hmm. you. Yes. And this was definitely a red flag, but because he did give off that persona of being an older guy who had his life together, had a job. Mm -hmm. Had his whole career ahead of him and whatnot. To an 18 year old that's just moved away for college, it's it's sort of everything like a dream you come would true. want. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of the time, those red flags are either not noticed in the beginning or ignored because you want to see the best in somebody. Hmm. Police also noted that in an interview, he came off as very narcissistic. After his behavior got worse, Caitlin claimed that she could no longer take the abuse and decided to break up with him the fall before she started her semester at UNT. He did not take the news well, and this is where his behavior really started to take a turn for the worst. 
Only one day after the breakup, Brian showed up at the doorstep of Caitlin's dorm room and said that he wanted to talk to her. Terrified, she called the police and reported it to them. Police immediately took action and issued a restraining order against Bryant and banned him from UNT. So, the fact that he showed up at her dorm room, that's kind of sus, first of all. Mm-hmm. At UNT, uh, I've been in the dorm. That- he actually didn't know uh, where she lived. Like, she had never told him where she lived before he showed up. That's even more messed up. But the fact that he got into the dorm room is totally at fault by the people at the front desk and the RAs and all of that. Because that specific dorm that she lived in at the time, I've been inside that dorm before. And they give us ID cards that you have to scan in order for the doors to open. So he slipped in behind a student who was lazy and whatnot. Obviously didn't realize it was a 29-year-old man walking behind them. If you look at the pictures, you can clearly see he is much older than any student would be. Yeah. This wasn't the last time he would show up to campus despite the restraining order, though, as he was caught multiple times on campus after this and tried to contact Caitlin through social media numerous times. She had no interest in reconciling with him and wanted him as far away from her as possible. But once again, he showed up to her dorm room on September 6th, the night of what would have been their three-month anniversary and begged her to open the door because he wanted to talk. She continued to refuse to come out of her room and hid in her closet while on the phone with police. Eventually, he left and left flowers and a two-page note by her door. After leaving the dorm, he was quickly arrested for the fourth time. He met his $5,000 bond later that week and would still continue to break the rules of his restraining order. It was only four days after he got out of jail that he was once again back in Denton, only a few miles down the road from Caitlin's dorm. Brian was at a popular bar called Public House, located on Fry Street, which is a popular street in Denton, lined with bars that many residents, mostly college students, attended on the weekends. Earlier in the day, he had a meeting with his attorney, and knowing he was most likely going to end up spending more time behind bars, He probably went to Fry with the intention of drinking and cooling off. Unfortunately, on this tragic night, while Bryant was drinking alone, Jackie Vandegrift walked into the same bar, unknowing of her fate to come. She walked in on a mission to find a job at Public House and struck up a conversation with one of the bartenders there. Bryant is only sitting a few feet away from Jackie, and he manages to join in on the conversation with her, as we can see from the security footage. They continue to chat it up for a few hours, and he meets a few more women and talks to them as well. It started to get late, and it was raining, so Bryant offered Jackie a ride home, which is confirmed in the security cameras at the bar, and also later in the night at a gas station, where they stopped and can both be seen on camera. This was the last time Jackie Vandergriff was seen alive. On September 14th, 2016, Jackie's body was found mutilated and burned on the bank of Grapevine Lake. Her body was in a blue kitty pool, charred and bagged up in trash bags in the pool. This was only a few hours after she was seen leaving the bar with Bryant, and police quickly started to focus their investigation towards him. After reviewing the footage from the bar the night before, 
Police noticed that Bryant had struck up a conversation with Jackie, and they ended up leaving the bar together. Police started to do some digging, and they found that Bryant was caught on security camera at a local Walmart, purchasing a shovel around 4am, and that later connected him right to the murder scene. The police then served a search warrant onto his house, and they found a huge amount of evidence that connected him to the crime scene as well, including a Texas Women's University purse that was believed to be Jackie's, a missing kiddie pool that matched the one that was found at the crime scene, and a large hunting knife. Conveniently, Bryant was already in custody due to his previous arrest in violation of his restraining order yet again after emailing his previous girlfriend in the days following the murder, so police were able to question him right away. No questions were answered as to who killed her, how they did it, or even the motive behind it. This is when they decided to bring in Texas Ranger James Holland, who sat down and did an interview with Bryant to see if he could get him to crack. Just to give you a short background on Texas Ranger James Holland, he specializes in psychopathic and sociopathic crimes, and he spends his time interviewing criminals with a sociopathic background, and he can crack open any convict and see right through their front. Bryant showed no remorse for what he had done and also showed clear signs of antisocial behavior which is common in sociopaths. I'm going to insert a clip here of the interview between Holland and Bryant, just so you can get a taste of what it sounded like. And what do you see in the pool? Right now, tell me exactly what you see occurring after that. And what happens next? Put it on fire. The fire. Why do you burn the body? Bryant is a very controlling and manipulative person, and when it was clear to Holland that he committed the murder, it was just about getting him to confess at this point. This interview was very interesting to watch, and the kinds of questions that Holland asked and his overall manner that he had to play in order to play it cool with Bryant is what really got him to start talking. Bryant's initial story was that him and Jackie were having consensual sex and the reason that she died was because she had a zip tie around her neck and when Holland asked if he knew how the zip tie had gotten tightened or anything and that's that's what caused her to die, he didn't have an answer for it. Mm -hmm. And so his story kept changing between the zip tie Jackie asking for a zip tie on her neck and like all of this stuff that didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And the autopsy couldn't confirm anything about her cause of death because the body was so mutilated and so destroyed. So they basically just had to rely on what he said. So they believe that she did die due to asphyxiation. This interview went on for six hours with casual conversation turning into intense questioning and Holland officially theorized that the reason Bryant murdered Jackie Vandergrift is based on anger and hurt due to his ex-girlfriend's rejection, and he decided to take it out on the next girl he met, which just so happened to be Jackie. Holland says that he knows for sure that Bryant went into that bar that night with the intention to kill, and he definitely entered with a mission and based on his previous history, had malicious intentions. After speaking to Caitlin, Brian's former girlfriend, 
She definitely agrees with Holland and considers herself very lucky to be alive to this day. She said she doesn't know if Bryant was trying to send her a message that day or threaten her to let her know what he is capable of, but he took things to a level she did not even think was possible. She never believed that he was capable of murder, but after taking the innocent life of Jackie, it goes to show how evil some people can really be. Since this was Bryant's first and only murder, it was very messy and kind of chaotic. Oftentimes, murderers are not very organized when committing their first crime, and that reflects within the crime scene. If he had not been caught and arrested, he most likely would have continued to take his anger out on more and more women, and this would not have been his only murder. The more lives he would continue to take, the more experienced he would have gotten, and if Grapevine police hadn't caught him when they did, who knows what else he could have done. It is also very possible that Caitlin could have been the next victim, and he easily could have tracked her down next. Caitlin still struggles to this day with the guilt she has towards Jackie and her family, and the fact that she couldn't warn her before it was too late. She continues to speak out against domestic violence and shares her story to try and warn other women of the potential dangers of being in an abusive relationship. As for Bryant, he was charged with first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. It only took the jury about two and a half hours to reach a verdict. Bryant will spend the remainder of his days in prison, serving his time out for what he did to Jackie. Jackie's friends and family can now go to sleep at night knowing that they fought for justice and achieved it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Crime Couch. If you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and share our link with your friends. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you're listening on YouTube, go ahead and click that subscribe button and give us a like down below. Thank you all again so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week on The Crime Couch. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. On a, on a large one.